2: Welcome to the DFS Free Game Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. You're going to follow me on Twitter. And it's Friday, March 31st, the last day of March. And we just got the the last, yesterday was the opening day, Major League Baseball. Did you have a a good first uh, baseball slate, 11-game slate, main slate yesterday? Was it good for you? Was it good for me? I made about three grand. I was pretty good. Between between DraftKings, between prize picks, between underdog. It was a pretty pretty good day for me. Uh, but, but we'll talk about we'll talk about that. What, what happened yesterday and everything. Uh not, not a big slate today, right? I think five games. Kind of weird. Right. Oh, all the games yesterday. Nothing today. Nothing. All right. Five games. Yeah, whatever. Uh, if you got any questions, obviously post them in the YouTube chat. Hit that thumbs up button, smash. And bang and tap and do whatever you want on the on the on the like button, the subscribe button, the notification bell. Good morning to Wataz, Suki Singh, the early birds, Doug Montgomery, D-Fick, Rod Rod, real life pitcher Bart B, Daniel Hutchins, ten percent day. Okay, ten percent, ten percent profit. Hey, any day of profit is a good day, right? Yesterday, uh, I I I played five lineups yesterday. I'm de- you, you, I've described my my strategy this season. Not going to be playing really the large field. I'll throw my lineups in the large field uh, anyway. I'm playing two quote cash lineups. And those are essentially triple up and can tuple up lineups. So I'm playing a lot of three man's, five man's, triple ups, can tuple ups, and I'm basically trying to play lineups that are probably four or five points lower projected than than optimal, with as much differentiation between my lineup and the lineups that I'm competing against in the three-mans and the 5 bands, And a lot of times, uh, these lineups share a lot of players, right? In my opponent's lineups. So I'm just trying to get triple or five, three to five, my buddy, with just like a 6v6, a 7v7. Uh, as much as I can uh, when, uh, when players are just like highly, highly owned and correlated to each other. That's what I do with two lineups, right? To reduce the variance, right? Because once you once you drop typically four or five points of projection, a lot of those lineups you could you could you could play a hundred different lineups that kind of look like that. So I choose two of them, and two of them that probably aren't even that correlated to each other, and uh, both of them both of them actually cashed in the triple ups in the in the some some can tuple ups. Then I played three GPP lineups, the main one in the one twenty one single entry on DraftKings, which uh, I came in fourteenth. Right, I had uh, I had the I had the Orioles, I had the Orioles five man stack. I I typically play just five three lineups, which makes it easier. Uh, so so I'm not I'm not playing chalky one offs or anything like that. So basically, combining two teams together, the Orioles and the Royals, and the Royals didn't do much. Right, Fran Mol Reyes struck out a bunch of times, uh, so that didn't work. That didn't work out for me, but still, uh, 14th place ain't bad for 500 bucks. All right, McClanahan, Cole, Rushman, obviously one of the top scorers on the slates. Santander, Urias, Henderson, Mullins, with Bobby Witt at shortstop, and Isbell and Reyes who were both like barely owned. Right, so there. With the two chalky pitchers, I mean, like McClanahan and Cole were the were the combination that was the most chalk. You could see this lineup in the in the large field fifteen dollar one. You could see here how the ownership condenses. And that's kind of the theme of today, but to, to go over when you're playing single smaller field, single entry, the ownership condenses and it condenses on the outsides. Okay. Doesn't condense that much in the middle. You can see here, even with the Baltimore stack, like the ownership of the Baltimore stack between the 121 and the $15 large field wasn't that dramatic, right? Here's small field. 15% for Rushman, 10% in the large field. Santander, 12% in the small field. Actually, it was more, be a little bit more owned in the 121, 7%. Henderson, 11. Urias, 4. Mullins, 10. Right? Henderson, 15. Urias, 4. Mullins, 14. Right? Not that great of a difference. But on the outskirts, look at the McClanahan, 50% in the small field, 36% in the large field. Coal, 38% in the small field, 32% in the large field. But you'll see at the upper ends and the lower ends, the highest owned stuff is going to be way higher. And the lowest owned stuff is going to be like, instead of being 3% owned, it'll be like 1% owned. And the 120, in, a, in a contest like the 121 single entry, which has what? 459 entries, right? Compared to, you know, obviously this one has 39,000 entries. And we could see that I'm going to switch over to my other screen because I downloaded the CSVs of both of these, and they show the ownership. So you could you could you could download. Let's see. Let's go to the entire screen over here. So you could you could download these CSVs. I mean, you could download these lineups, right? You could import them. You could do whatever you want with them. So we see here on, on this on this first screen right here. This is the 121. Okay, over here. I'll scroll over just so they kind of match up a little, right? This is the, this is the large field. So we take a look at the large field ownership. It's like Austin. Let's take a look at the Braves. Austin Riley, 33. Albies, 29. Acuna, 26. Sean Murphy, 21. Matt Olson, 18. Now let's take a look at the 121. Austin Riley was 56% owned. 56 for Riley, 47 for Albies, 40 for Acuna, 40 for Sean Murphy, 29 for Matt Olson. Look how much, I mean, like more than a third, I mean, look, more than 40% of lineups, 40 plus percent of lineups in the 121 on an 11 game slate consisted of at least a three man stack, At least. If not four or five. In the large field, that, that that wasn't the case. If you average, if let's say you averaged them out, which is not like the perfect way to do it. But if we averaged out the 121. So we got what? Austin Riley, 56 plus Albies. Just like the main five guys, right? Albies, 47. Acuna 40. Sean Murphy, 40. And Olson 29. That's 212 divided by 5, 42.4. Okay, now let's go to the large field. Riley, 33. Albies, 29. Cooney, 26. John Murphy, 21. Olsen, 18. That's 127 divided by 5. 42.4. In the small field in the 121 25.4 in the large field okay an 11 game slate it's not like the Braves had like a million run total it was it was 4.8 and it's not like it's that dramatic were they the best projected team yes they were they were the best raw projected team on the slate Minnesota there's another team that would for value sakes was also projected well right so we see in the large field. If we take a look at Byron Buxton, eighteen; Kepler, fifteen; Nick Gordon, fourteen; Correa, fourteen; Larnick, thirteen. Right, the top four guys, top five guys. We look in the large field for the Twins, the small field for the Twins. Buxton is twenty-eight versus eighteen in the large field. Larnick is twenty-six versus thirteen in the large field. Kepler's twenty-three versus fifteen in the large field. Gordon's twenty. Versus 14 in the large field. Correa is 18 versus 14 in the large field. So in the 121, between the Braves and the Twins, that like as stacks of at least three, right? Even like a little mini stack, right? Like that represents like 60% of the lineups, right? 50, 60. They, I mean, obviously people are making Braves, Twins types of lineups. Then once you add that with McClanahan and Cole, McClanahan, 50% in the 121, 36% in the large field. Cole, 38% in the 121. 32% in the large field. You see here in this 121 contest, you know how many lineups have have like overlap with one another? I would I would guess a third of the lineups have like like five or six very similar players. Right, it's McClanahan, Cole, and some form of of Minnesota, the Twins and Braves. Right? Lineups that have Bucks and have Larnik, maybe have Murphy as catcher. Right? Have McClanahan have Cole. Like they, 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 combinatorically, there's so many more lineups that share all the points, like five or six guys together. Well, in the large field, not so much. I mean, yes, they'll be the ball, they'll be I'll be. I mean, that's the most likely looking lineups, but it only represents 15, 20% of the field rather than 40% of the field in the 121. But once you get outside of like the chalkiest situations, like everything that the Orioles were about the same, right? We saw, let's see, what else? With the Pirates, about the same, right? I mean, kind of everything is like in the middle is fine, but then when you go down to the bottom, it's like, like, okay, in the large field, you'll get a lot more of these like 2%, large newt bar, 2%, right? 1% of the 121, which is like, is what? 459 lineups. So it's 1% of that? That's four or five lineups total. Right. We get down to, you know, some of these guys down here that in the large field, 39, if you have 2% of 39,000 lineups, we're talking about almost 800 lineups. In the 121, we're talking about four, eight, even less than that, right? When uh, when when Logan Webb goes for 25.9 points, in this large field, he was 1.75% owned, which for like a 40,000 entry contest is like, what, about 700 lineups? In the 121, he was... What 0.44 percent on? That's what two lineups. It's two, two lineups. That's it. Only two lineups he's in. He scores 25 points and no one has him right. Look, Marcus Stroman 0.22 percent on. That's that's like that's, that's literal. I think that's literally one lineup, right? Can anyone? Yeah, that's literally one lineup. The only way to be 0. 0.22 would be one lineup, right? CJ Crone put up 42 points in the 121. one lineup, that's it. Was he in the large field GP? Large field GPP did not, I don't think he had. No, Crone wasn't in the winning lineup. I mean, take a look at just the dynamics of when we talk about it, as far as building the nut lineup. The winner of the 121, their score was 196. 196 doesn't even get in the top. It doesn't even show on this page right? I would have to scroll down. 196 even would be a tie for 56th place in the large field for who knows with barely anything, whatever, whatever it pays. You don't need the nut lineup. You don't need to try to get, I mean, you're probably not finding the nut nut lineup. You're not all one-offs or whatever, but like you don't need as high of a score in the 121 because you're only competing with 459 entries rather than 39,000 entries. which means you don't have to be perfect. You don't need CJ Krohn and Marcus Stroman and Logan Webb. You don't, you don't need that large field. It would help a little bit more because you have more lineups to compete against, but you combine that dynamic with the propensity of the field to heavily condense on ownership in a sport, especially at, at hitter that has so much variance and bimodal nature of, of, Projection, like, like, I built my line, my my Oriole stack. I I got I built my lineup based on just Xing out the Twins and the Braves. Right, I just ran line. I ran a hundred lineups without without Acuna, without Buxton, without Albies. Right, I looked at the what where the chalk what the chalkiest batters. Without Riley, Albi, Acuna, Murphy, Buxton, Kepler, you know, I, I, I left out. I, I just like I'm going to x all those guys out, and then I'm going to I'm just going to run 100 lineups. And compared to the ownership of those lineups, eliminate the ones in between. You could do that with the portfolio trimmer at theorydfs.com. You can do it manually in lineup HQ. Also, if you're dealing with a small amount of lineups, it doesn't take that long. What what lineup? What lineup was came up? That was a five three, and this, this was this was the lineup, right? It's like oh Orioles. After I get rid of the other the other those two, once I get rid of those players, now obviously I can play an RC line. I mean there there are other Braves, there are other Twins, but once you get rid of the the most owned players <coughs> at batter. I'm like, okay, here's this Orioles stack. And I saw, compared to the Braves or the Twin stack, projected like six points lower. Using McClanahan and Cole. Using the two chalkiest pitchers. The two highest projected pitchers also. So I'm like, the ownership is like half as much. Like, in the large field, you don't get as much leverage because people are playing, aren't condensing on the chalk as much. Now in the large field, you're much more likely to take shots on lineups that are 30 points lower projected. In the 121, you don't need to do that. If I'm within 10 points or whatever, I'm fine. Especially with the correlative nature of MLB. So Baltimore was up. And I knew because Baltimore was in the middling ownership. They weren't like, they weren't unowned. I like it said. I mean, these numbers aren't like, oh, he played a 1% stack. No. The Orioles were like the third the third most popular team on the slate. Yeah, I think they had third from a stack perspective and then like maybe the Pirates and then the Reds maybe. <coughs> Blue Jays a little? Yeah, then then it's everything in the middle ends up being, kind of being the same between like close enough between the small field and the large field. Now the stuff at the very bottom, right? I don't know who played like the, like like down here playing you know, the Tigers and the Rangers and the Phillies. Like the Phillies were barely owned, right? Schwarber, Real Muto. Like in the 121 it's like less than 1%. But in the large field, you'll you'll see 2%. You'll see some of this stuff, right? You'll see, you'll see. I mean, I'm taking a look. Like Goldschmidt, Arenado, two percent. Whereas Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt's one percent in the 121. <clears throat> it's that nature of like all all this, all the ownership that is condensing up the top isn't really coming out of the middle. It's just coming out of the bottom. The lowest projected players. So in large field, where you're more likely to, you know, take a shot on a two percent owned. Cardinal stack, like that stack in the 121 is going to be less than 1%. owned. And you don't need to play it because if it's so low projected, you only have to beat 459 entries. <coughs> so most of the time in the 121, I'm playing, I'm playing one of the stacks in the middle. You know, if there's, if, they, if you rank the stacks from one to 22, I'm playing somewhere. So the teams that are somewhere between like three and seven, like stuff like that. Four and seven, like, it obviously depends. It depends on how the salaries work out. And then pitcher-wise, I, I I in the 121, pitcher is the is more normally distributed outcomes. So I'm typically going to play, you know, two of the higher projected pitchers. I could have played Snell in this line. I mean, like, basically, it was playing Cole McClanahan and Snell. Like, two of those three. Now there are going to be times where sometimes the higher-owned teams aren't owned enough. I mean, that may not happen in the 121. In the large field, it may happen. And that's when you may get may get more different at pitcher. But I'm much more willing to trust, you know, median projections when it comes to pitcher than when it comes to batters, because they don't that they, they, they don't hit medians. They're bimodal nature of their projections. So that's why I wanted to show this. Like, that's why I say that the 121 single entry is the softest GPP on DraftKings. It's the softest one. Now, it's $121 to enter. But why is that? Why is it so Why am I explaining this, this nature? It's Going back to the episode, where does the money come from? Go back to that episode. Go back to the one about GPP equity dynamics. <coughs> or equity distribution, whatever. I did a couple of months ago. Where does the money come from? The money comes from bad lineups, negative EV lineups. What are negative EV lineups? What what are the two main characteristics of negative EV lineups? Lineups that are either too high owned or too low projected. One of the two, okay? So when you play large field GPPs, a lot of times a lot of you a lot of your equity comes from the low projected lineups people that are playing I mean baseball it's hard it's a little bit harder to do but obviously remember correlation boosts the projection in a way of your lineup I saw a tweet yesterday someone the sports underscore projections tweeted out he looked at the, the the main GPP 30, I think 31 32 percent of all entries in the large field GPP did not contain a stack. Did not contain a stack of players. Just people playing twosies and onesies and 30%, a third of the lineups. You know how much rejection in theory you're giving up by not correlating an MLB, especially on a larger slate? A ton, an absolute ton. Now, in the 121, that's probably not the case. Probably 121, you're not going to get many of those style of bad lineups. You'll get some cat people throw in their cash lineup and throw, you know, the eight one off cash type of lineups. And then, yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you for seeding, seeding your equity to me. Thank you. You see, I'm not seeding min cash equity, but you're seeding like win equity to me. Or to the, to the good lineups. But the thing that you see way often in in, in the one twenty one compared to the the large field is that a lot of people are playing are just way too high owned. I mean, like way. Imagine playing McClanahan Cole. I, I, imagine playing McClanahan Cole. I'm. i Maybe I could go to yesterday's slate. There. There was a way to make a five three like Braves Twins lineup with McClanahan Cole, <coughs> where you were playing. You were playing Buxton and Acuna. Right, because the, the pricing was pretty soft. Like, you play, like, Larnick in the outfield, and you can play Albies and, and Murphy. Like, there was a way to put it all together. I'm pretty sure I, if I if I, I go through these lineups, I'm going to find a lot of those. Right, Gallo or Miranda at first base instead of Olsen. Right, you fit it all together. These lineups, look how, I mean, in the large field, they're high-owned, but nowhere near as high-owned as the 121. You're playing a 50% pitcher with a 38% pitcher with a 56%, 47%, 40%, 40%, you know, stack with another 28 plus 20, like the lowest, the player in your lineup with the lowest ownership is like 15%, if that. It's the lowest play, the lowest player. And you have players, you have, you have one, two, three, four, you have five players over 40% owned. We're over thirty at six players, over thirty-eight percent on. How the hell do you expect to win that? Right, you're sharing points with so many people. You need everyone, all the chalked to everyone to explode, and just so happen to have the right, like one v one, and the one v one you have, you may actually be duping someone else. Right, it's getting to it. Got it. it gets to the point sometimes where. The, the combinatorics of, of all these players make it so that, like, dude, you win the 121 and you're duped four times in a 459-entry contest on an 11-game MLB slate. There's no reason you should be duping with how many lineups are possible. There are trillions of lineups possible, right? And you're going to dupe with multiple people? But that's why this is so exploitable. There's no way that the Braves should be a forty percent, forty-two percent on stack in an eleven-game slate when they have a, a run total under five. It's not like they're 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 in, they're somewhere where their total is eight and a half and the next highest total is four. Maybe forty percent should maybe they should be forty percent then. Maybe I say maybe because I don't even know if that's if you even do it then. It wasn't that dramatic of a difference between the Braves twins and like other teams on the slate, the Orioles, the Red Sox. They had four totals. <clears throat> 3.8 total. It's it was a low it was a low total slate to begin with. But you take advantage of all this condensed ownership, meaning that so many more out of the 459 lineups, like half of the lineups are negative EV lineups versus the large field where you may only find 30% 30 30 to 40%. Here you may find 50%. I mean, like, just so many more bad lineups. And what did we talk about the other day on Wednesday? You can make so many, you can make tens of thousands of plus EV lineups. You can, right? Your goal is to not make the bad lineups. Just don't make the bad lineups, and you're probably going to be doing very well over the course of, in the long run, a season, two, three seasons. Because you're aiming for first place, that's not going to happen every day, no, of course not. But what happens if the Braves go out and put up 14 runs? It's like, okay, then you don't win that day. You come in last place, and then even if you chose the Braves, it's like, oh, I, I, I have, I have Braves, I have Twins, I have McClanahan and Cole, and I came in 26th place and tied with five people. I mean, like. Like the upside on there is also horrible. What how are you differentiating from other people? You're sharing so many. Yes, you have a lot of points, but so does everyone else. The game of DFS is not about scoring the most points. It's what what I talk about in Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, the the the, the masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. So the first chapter, the fundamental theorem of of DFS DFS is not about scoring the most points. DFS is about scoring more points than your opponents. So it it, it is a relative value, not an absolute value. So why the hell am I playing for, why am I playing the 56% on third baseman? Is he the highest projected third baseman? Yes, but I mean, from a median standpoint, but there's like... There's five others within a point of them. Median-wise, but they don't hit their medians. It's bimodal. So why am I playing that, that with a 47% on second... Half the, half the lions of the contest have Riley plus Albies, plus McClanahan. Why are you playing that combination? Doesn't mean you can't play... You have to fade all of these guys. No, it doesn't mean that. But why, why are you playing... Like, oh, Austin Riley did well. It's like, well, did Albies do well? No, then you're dead. Right? Right? All those lineups are dead. Sean Murphy got a zero at catcher. He was 40% owned in the 121. You know how much leverage you get by having some other catcher? be had Travis Darnot instead. You were fine. Right? If you played Alejandro Kirk, you got seven more points than 40% of the lineups. Yeah, sure. You probably needed Adley Rushman, right? But dude, getting a zero at forty percent—you're like, seeding so much equity by playing similar combinations of line, of players, especially when there's so few entries in the contest. Four hundred and fifty-nine entries. So this is why I say that in smaller field, single entry contest, I am more contrarian. Large field contests. I mean, I'm contrarian also building lineups that fit around each other, but the ownership doesn't condense as much. I can play, yeah, you could you could play a brave stack, play a brave stack in the large field GPP, but you need to get really different. You're not playing McClanahan, you're not playing Buxton as a one-off, you're not you can get different enough. And then the Braves go nuts. You have multiple pieces in your lineup that aren't being shared by other Brave stacks as much. You have Marcus Stroman in your lineup, and you had uh, uh, whoever. You had C.J. Crow and you had Rockies. Like, dude, that's all you need. The five-man Braves tack would be fine. But all those other players in your lineup are really dragging your projection down, which means I need a bigger payday in order for that to be worth it. Right? Which you could get in the large field, but you necessarily can get in the 121, 5K to first. It's a flatter payout structure. So I'm less likely to go completely off the board in the 121, but I'm more likely to be more contrarian. Meaning I'm more likely to like, look, take a look at my lineup. My lineup, my my lineup. I mean, essentially I faded the twins and faded the Braves. Look how much ownership is on all those, on those players. It's like, There, and then build whatever I want. At that point, I could build whatever I want. That's contrarian, because half the lineups have Braves and Twins. Doesn't seem that contrarian. Well, I'm playing. What made you play Kyle Isbell? It's like he's 2300, and he fit in the lineup. Because obviously, if I'm not playing Correa, right? I'm not playing. I didn't play Gunnar Henderson at the shortstop position. It's like, well, I needed a shortstop. We take a look. Like O'Neill Cruz. Maybe he didn't make, I could have played Cruz, uh, Sawinski. I could play Pirates in this lineup. And I saw I and I saw when I ran lineups that I got Orioles Pirates lineups also. I did play. I, I, I did play Pirates in another I had one of my three lineups. I had a Pirates stack. Or Pirates three man. I think it was a blue, I think it was a Blue Jays five man, Pirates three man mean, would probably go back and probably see the three lineups that I played. Like, let me stop the screen. Let me go back to here. Because so, so I have this up, right? Because so I played three lineups, right? The other two lineups I played in like the $25 single entry, the $12 single entry, the $5 knuckleball, the $4 20 max. And then I throw all three lineups into the $15 large field. So you can see here. So like the other lineup I played was, yeah, yeah. This is exactly what I right. Snell Cole. Then the Toronto five man, then Cruz Reynolds and uh CSN. That's what I'm calling them. Okay, Cannon Smith and Jigba, whatever his name is, right? So I played this lineup. And then the other lineup was uh yeah. This is the lineup I did play the twins, but with the Reds. And then when I played the Twins, I I had Michael Taylor in here. So McClanahan Cole, then the Stevenson Myers, India, Steer, Friedel, right? No Vosler, who was a little bit more popular. And then I I just, and then Buxton, Correa, Taylor. And when I say I, it doesn't mean I can put in these people. Like, what made you choose this guy? I didn't choose any of the players. I just ran lineups. That's it. I ran 100 lineups by Xing out all those high-owned Braves and Twins and stuff like that. Right? But I also ran 100 set that I just X'd out the Braves and I just X'd out the Twins to see lineups. I didn't want to play five-man stacks with them. I just, so, okay, three-man stacks. Let me take a look at what these lineups look like. Then out of all those lineups, 300 lineups, I condensed them all down, got rid of the ones that were too I owned I was left with probably 20, 20 or so lineups. And I'm like, okay, I need to choose three. The top one was that Orioles. The top one that I had in that set. Was this lineup. So I played it in the 121. And once I saw this. It's like okay. Out of three lineups. Maybe I don't have. I don't, I, I got rid of all the other Orioles stacks. Out of the 23 lineups. I got rid of the eight other Orioles stacks. That were in there. And it's like okay. I want I want, I want. to have the, the, the Blue Jays. So I found the Blue Jays lineup. And I'm like okay. This lineup looks pretty good. And they're done. Right. And then I go here. it's like okay. I know the Braves are going to be the highest on, but I don't mind the Twins. So let me find a lineup that, let me find, is there, out of the lineups that are left, are there any Buxton lineups left? I'll play Buxton in a three-man stack. And then I found this lineup. And there you go. Three lineups done. Easy. Took me no more than 10 minutes. That's it. By my two, my two cash-ish lineups. Right? That didn't have Acuna, didn't have Buxton. Right, didn't have Sean Murphy. Didn't I mean I played Rush? I played Rushman in one of them, so that did very well. But both of them actually cashed in triple up, so it was a it was a good day for me. And then on Prize Picks, and under underdog underdog. I lost a little money, but Prize Picks I did well. Prize Picks I made what fifteen hundred or so, I think. Pretty good yesterday, right? Hunter Green under under seven and a half. Oh, that would it would have been so much of a better day. So much of a better day if Hunter Green had one less strikeout. That's it. Right? So I had, the, I had Pablo Lopez over strikeouts. I had uh, Snell over strikeouts. Otani over strikeouts. Uh, what else was yesterday? I had uh, DeGrom under strikeouts. I had DeGrom and Scherzer under fantasy points. I mean, I think I only got two. More. I think I, there was only I was two two that were bad, three that were bad.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: I'm going to go back on price picks and see. Yeah, I didn't get the get gallon under five and a half strikeouts. That that didn't work out. That, that was a bad one. That was one that didn't didn't, didn't go anywhere. Uh, but yeah but you know you know how i I do do prize picks is just uh, the bat projections I mean it's this it ain't hard when people ask it like can you do a video about prize picks and underdog it's like I just I go I go to the statistical projections of the bat right right here we go and then I go to prize picks right oh we got the pitch for fantasy scores up now Right. So I just go here, right? I'll go pitch your fantasy score. Right. Lazardo, 28 and a half. 29.34 is the because it's fanDuel scoring. So that's not enough. One point is not enough on prize picks. Christian Javier, thirty-three. Projection thirty-three point one nine. So that's uh, there's nothing to add there. Dustin May, thirty point five. 30 point finally. It's almost as if they're looking at this. Merrill Kelly, 23 and a half. Merrill Kelly, 18.82. Right? So maybe, maybe that maybe this is an under. Maybe. Robbie Ray, 31. Robbie Ray, 29. Yeah, that's not a big enough discrepancy. There, that's it. This is it. This is this is exactly what I do, right? I think I already got like uh uh Where's the Lin one? Oh, the Lynn, They got rid of. They they, they oh, Lazardo's up now. This this was at five earlier today, right? So look, if you go here, Lizardo strikeouts five point seven four. It was at five. I got it at five. I got this at five. It's now now they bumped it up to five and a half. So you're done. You got to get them early, right? There's no value in this anymore. All right, we Christian Javier six strikeouts. According to this, we have six point seven two. So that's still a bit. If you want to take the Christian Javier more, there's a little EV there. It's not. It's not great. I, w- I wouldn't be putting you know whatever a, a, ma- a more of a, a higher number of volume. There's like yeah, yeah. You probably probably this is probably slightly profitable. Right? They had. Do they still have it up? No, they took this down. They had Nick Martinez. I got Nick Martinez over one and a half earned runs. It's no longer even up on prize picks. But if you look at the standard, proge- the bad projections, his earned runs 2.79, right? So his line really should be two or two and a half. They they posted it at one and a half. So I I, I combined it with a bunch of other stuff and now it's gone. Now it's gone. You got to get them early. You got to get them early. Hits allowed. I think Peterson over today. Right? We take a look at the bat projections. Peterson hits five point one zero. So over four should be should be plus EV on prize picks. This is it. This is. I mean, what 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 am I supposed to do? You get the bat projections. You can get them on a rotor grinders. Go go buy them. It's like what three hundred bucks for the entire year or something. I mean, like it's stupid, stupidly low cost. You're gonna be using it for your DFS play, right? You're using it for your DFS lineups. You're playing almost every day. How much is it? I mean, it's like it's it's like a dollar a day or something. I mean, it's it's stupid, stupid cheap, right? And you go this, and you wait for the lines to come out, and there you go, and you start. You go to Underdog, right? You go, you sit here at Underdog, right? Go. There's no, I don't have to look at anything. I don't have to look, I don't have to care. I don't even have to know who these people are. Here's a table. Go to the site and compare it. You need to hear, see, Lazardo. they still have it five strikeouts on, on underdog, not five and a half. So higher there's, there, there, there's one, right? Lynn, they have down at five and a half. I got Lynn at six. So five and a half is no good anymore. Javier's still up at six, although that's Okay. I think Nick Martinez over one and a half walks allowed. Maybe a slightly plus EV because uh, the bat has walks at two. Right? So this is it. I mean, this, dude, what, what video, what, 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 what process do I have to show? Like, all I'm doing is looking at a table of numbers and comparing these numbers to the numbers that are up here. Then if, if it's off by, en- if it's off by enough and hitting them. Right? If we take a look at the, right, the ones that I have in law, do I have, yeah, pick, right? So, look, this is what I do. I typically put, like, two together, right? 30, 40, days. So Martinez here. Martinez, higher, one and a half walks allowed. Javier, higher, six strikeouts. Done. Here's Lennon Martinez, right? Here's Lizardo and Martinez, higher, right? Higher than five. Nick Martinez walks allowed, Right? Lynn Lizardo, see, I got Lynn at six strikeouts, lower than six, which is much better than five and a half. Because I push at least on six now, right? So that's what I do. there, there. that's underdog. And like, if I go to my my entries on, this was my free flex play, right? They give it today. There was a promotion. Typically, I don't play, you know, four four pick flex, but this is like free. But look, Nick Martinez more than like Javier. Here's for twenty bucks here. Right. I go all the way down. I just round robin. Javier, more than six strikeouts. Peterson, more than four hits allowed. Lazardo, more than five strikeouts. Javier, more than six. Right. Lazardo, Peterson. Here's Lynn Lazardo. I don't think they have the, the less than six up on prize picks. I don't even think they had Lynn up. They'll probably put it back up at five and a half. Right. And I just round robin these. Right. 40 bucks here, 40 bucks, 60 bucks. Right. Because this, this one and a half earned runs allowed. I mean that was way off. So it's just like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go up here. So Here's 60, 60 bucks for those, right? Sixty bucks for this one. Sixty bucks for that one. Sixty bucks for this one. The walks allowed. I don't even. I'm I'm not even sure if it's plus EV. I typically don't don't place cards on walks allowed. I don't know how the distributions work as much for walks allowed. But when he's projected for two. And and Lynn is projected for one point three six, and they're the same line. So Lynn, more or less than one and a half, is the same as Nick Martinez, more or less than one and a half. So I'm just, I'm just gonna have to assume that over one and a half is is gonna be like fifty, at least a fifty seven percent win rate. Maybe, I just don't know how the distribution of walks allowed works as much as the other stats. So that's why it's like twenty, not twenty bucks on these, right? So I, I round robin them. So like, I don't need all of them. To, I mean, dude, I have one, two, three, I have six. If four out of the six, right? Four out of the six, like win, like I I profit. Five, is a good profit. Six is great. If three out of six come through, I have a small loss, right? So I, I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not doing these six pick flexes where I need to get like, oh, well you get 25 times the money. It's like, well, I'm looking to take advantage of the bad numbers, so I want to I want to reduce my variance. From an EV standpoint, you could do either thing. It's just a matter of I don't I don't mind sacrificing a slightly bit of EV to reduce my variance so heavily, so that my swings aren't that wide. But this is it. I mean, this is what 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 other thing do you need for for for, for prop betting? Get get statistical projections. Either you're making them yourself, but I don't know how to make projections. Then get get the best model in in all of in all of fantasy baseball, which is Derek Hardy's the bat. And there you have it. It updates every five minutes, so lineups change and weather changes. Things may go slightly up or down. And then hit the numbers as early as you can before they move. Right? You go back to Lynn. Like Lynn strikeouts isn't even up. I don't think uh, now that that's uh, back up five and a half. See, there you go. I got it at under six. So when he throws six strikeouts and you have the under, you lose and I push. Doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but you add that up over, you know, if you're doing, you know, six to 10 or whatever every day. And on average, like half a time a day, you get a push versus a loss or a win versus a push. Over the course of an entire season, that, I mean, that that's where like more so much of your profit comes from. I got the better number. So I have a 12% ROI over the course of the season and you end up with a 2% ROI. Right. Oh, it's still profitable, but I mean, you've gotten rid of all that profit of all the times that you lost instead of one, because you didn't get the best number. Anything in the YouTube chat before we get out of here? Mike Ostry said, wow, first day of MLB and already won the four-seamer. Oh, well, congratulations, Mike Ostry. Thanks, Blender, for the preseason videos. You're welcome. Uh, Daniel Hutchins says that his algo randomly went chalky in the battery. In the 121? What What did, what did, uh, where's the 121? Where's the nerdy tenor? Let's, let's do a, I mean, I don't have it on the screen, but let, let me, let me, let me check. Where's the find 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 nerdy tenor. What a nerdy tenor. Oh, dude. How the fuck do you play this? Dude, like that's like the 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 epitome. Dan, Daniel, what are you doing? Like this is the epitome of the lineup that I wasn't going to play Oh, because i okay Now I see why. I see. I, I see why. So nerdy tenor in the 121 played Matt Olsen, Alzi Albies, Austin Riley, Sean Murphy, Ronald Acuna, right? So essentially the five most popular Braves, and then also played Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, and Nick Gordon. The three most owned. When well, that Alarnik was the own, actually owned more, but I mean, whatever. The three most owned twins, a five, three Braves twins lineup. The thing is, he played Nola and Snell. So basically, he played the chalkiest batch you could possibly think of. And then said, nope, I'm going to fade McLean and Cole. Which I guess is, I mean, according to your system, maybe it has a similar EV. But, dude, do I want to share that many points at bat? Like, just from a macro standpoint. You have to admit from a macro standpoint, why do you want to hold hands so much at the most varying positions, at the most bimodal na- nature of projection? And then, like, okay, I need all the, ch- I need the two chalk stacks to do very well, then then the pitchers to fail. Just seems like completely backwards. But Nerdy Tanner, he just goes, he just goes by his computer system. His, com- his computer may not know. His computer may not know. Or maybe it's a similar EV. It just that it realizes the EV in much different ways. But yeah, it's it's definitely not a lineup. I, I, I. It's literally the lineup that it's literally the eight batters together that I would have avoided. Like if you told me what eight batters not to play together at the top of the list would be those eight batters. Like literally at the top of the list. <laughs> Mark Mabalock says, "How crazy do we have to get in a DK twenty max? Is it enough to fade shock just one place? Whether one of the pitchers are primary stack to take it down? Sure. You should go. You should go back to Wednesday. Wednesday show. You could build for for yesterday seventy thousand plus EV line. I mean, like you're overthinking it. When in doubt, you're overthinking it. You're over. I mean for MLB DFS." Whatever you're thinking about, even everyone that's watching the show now that's heard me say that multiple times, if you're out there and listening and you can hear my voice, you are overcomplicating MLB DFS by at least five times. By at least. Of the people that are currently watching and have watched 100 of my shows, you're still making it too complex. I built my lineups yesterday in It took me ten minutes only because I was organizing. Well, I I was uh, or it was my first day of going through for my for my cash, my two triple up lineups, but my uh, my my GPP lineups, the three lineups that I played in GPP, and the one the one twenty one lineup that I played with the Orioles, I could have made in if I did it fast enough, maybe twenty seconds, maybe, right. It's more of the fact of lineup HQ has to generate like a hundred lineups each time. So I'm way I'm sitting there waiting, but it wasn't for that waiting period. Yeah. It would be like 20 seconds. Right. I try, I trim, I trim all the lineups and then w- w- that was the top one. That was it. That's the one, that's my one twenty one lineup. Now it's a matter of choosing the other two lineups and I could have chose any one of the 300 lineups that I had in there. I could have, Just a matter of like, okay, well, if I'm if I'm already playing the Orioles in this lineup from a diversification standpoint, it's like, okay, I'm already committing $121 to the Orioles. So I'm not going to play Orioles in the other two lineups. So I got rid of the Orioles lineup. So it's just a matter of which which do I choose. You can play lineups that are projected if you're stacking 20 points lower than other lineups in baseball. When in doubt. From a macro standpoint, batters, hot, chalky batters are typically over-owned and chalky pitchers sometimes are actually under-owned. You'd be much more likely to be, to play higher medium projected pitchers than care about the medium projection of batters. Jenna Sandy asks, I remember someone saying, if you're going to play against the highest owned pitchers, you have to do it every slate. Jordan is that true? No. I don't even understand. Why would you have to do that every slate? You don't have to. Uh, Grant Brown asks, common props to target. Everything. The hitter props are ones that I I don't bother with. Hitter, hit, hit, I mean, on Prize Picks and Underdog, hitter props on on regular sports books, like go for it, have fun. But the, the you can't go, but you can't go by median, like it's you can't go by median projection when it comes to hitter to hitters unless something is really off. Because remember, they don't there are not many outcomes around the median when it comes to to hitters, so it's like oh, they have a fantasy point projection of. Of nine and a half. And this is this is over under six and a half. I'll hit the over. Like, yeah, but a lot of that median projection of nine and a half is when they hit a home run and score 16 points in one shot. So it's like for them to get over six and a half, it's like they're gonna probably need that thing to happen anyway. So having the prop be six and a half or eight probably doesn't matter that much from a distributional standpoint. That's why the the hitter props are much less likely. You'll find fifty seven and a half percent win percentage ones that you'll need on underdog or price picks. I think you're more likely to find them on under if 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 you want to dive deep because I did that I did this last year. I did hitter ones, but the EV on those are if you, even if you find them are much smaller. But you're much more likely to find the bad the bad lines on underdog. What you'll find is that under underdog they'll post something like they'll post like uh, they'll 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 post like a uh, half half a uh, one. They'll post something like one and some fantasy, like five and a half fantasy points or something. And then you'll see that like the, the projection is like nine plus ten, almost ten. And then you'll you'll hit it, and then in the morning you'll wake up and it'll be, it won't be five and a half. It'll be like one and a half total bases. It's like, okay, one and a half total bases now. Yeah, they changed it. It's like, okay, because they they went they went too low on that one. So underdog, maybe you'll be able to find it. But just let, let just to be clear, you're gonna have to sort through like 99 percent of garbage to find hitter props on prize picks and underdog that are worth playing in these kind of like force parlay, right? You need minus 137s because you can't just outright bet stuff. You can't find a prop on a DK sports book that's minus one twelve or minus one o seven, right? And go, oh well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that because you know this is profitable at minus one o seven, but not at minus one thirty seven. So that's what makes prize picks an underdog difficult. That there that there are plus EV cards squares available but 99% of them aren't. Mike Oshry says, thanks blender. My favorite advice was just don't build bad lineups. Seriously though. Very important when dealing with MLB variants for long-term success. Yes. And Daniel Hutchings, dirty Tanner says I put in $30,000 of volume. I can't check them all, which I agree with. I've, I've done that plenty of times. I've, you know, I played 50, 100 lineups in large field, 150 sometimes. Some people look at it. Like, I looked at a couple of your lineups. Don't you think these are a little too chalky? Or I looked at a couple of your lineups and boy, you played all these 1% owned guys and your, your projection is way too low. Like, why'd you play those lineups? And A lot of times it's, well, I was building a lot of lineups and sometimes that's the cost of doing business. That, can't check them all, right? It's like, ah, or sometimes you're rushed. Sometimes it's 7.02. And I'm on my last run and I'm, I'm cutting this down. It's like, ah, okay. Whatever's here, whatever's in the top, top 60 60 slots on the CSV, out of eight, I, I, I'm at 87 and I don't have time. So I just need 60. So I'll just take the top 60 and who knows? And some minus EV lineups could show up in them. But most of them will be good. Most of them will be fine. Mike Os also says the swollen base props might be solid while things adjust yes. I mean that's on that's normal. normal sports, normal sports betting, which just got passed here in Kentucky yesterday. And the governor this morning has has signed it into law. So there will be I will be able to to sports bet in the in the state of Kentucky uh, shortly. maybe I mean probably not till the end of the year, probably. Maybe not even until next year. I don't know. They have to set everything up. I mean, it's just the law at this point. So they have to, they, it's going to be in person with the race tra- Like it's all, horse, this whole state is all controlled by the horse racing, Churchill Downs and stuff. So they still got to start, oh, well, I can walk into Churchill Downs and place a bet. It's like, no, there's no sports book in there yet. Right? They're going to partner with DraftKings, FanDuel, and everyone, you know. So who knows? It may not be till next year. And Munachi uh, suggested to Jenna Sandy, go watch the Leverage show from for a few days ago. You don't necessarily gain much from stacking against the highest-owned pitcher when there are 22 teams on the slate. Right. You're looking for the highest-owned... You're looking for the highest-scoring stack regardless. Even though the highest-owned pitcher could fail, does the stack score 10 runs? You don't know. mister Shadow Dog Shadowdog13 says, I've learned so much here last couple of weeks. Thanks. Yes. Go back to the past two weeks. If you want an MLB DFS primer... Go back to last Monday and watch the shows from last Monday to now. And that's, there you go. There's the blueprint. Of here's how you could be profitable in the long run playing MLB DFS. And a lot of it is just don't build bad lineups. And don't overthink everything. Get projections. Stack teams. Right? GPP wise. Don't build high own lineups and don't build too low projected lineups, and you're good. You and then you just and then enjoy yourself. Hopefully, you realize your your EV this year. Hopefully, you bink once, you get a couple of top fives, and and you brought and there. You go. That's it. Welcome to MLB DFS. That's what it is. So hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit, give me the thummy thumbs. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Obviously, no MMA today. No MMA slate tomorrow. Right? Next Friday, we'll we'll back, back to the MMA streets on Fighting Fridays. But uh, if you have any questions, right, I cover them on the show, right? I mean, any, you send in a question and I answer it. Right? So email them in. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. That's what all the shows throughout the week are, are, are based around. Your questions. So submit them in you want more structured learning, right? You can go to theoryofdfs.com, right? Get the Fundamentals Masterclass. You get the advanced course with my custom Excel tools. You can pick those up and you can listen at your leisure. It's a total of 21 hours of audio. So go to theoryofdfs.com for that. But I'll be back. I'll be back next week. And this is what this is what I do. I talk about DFS strategy. I answer your questions Monday through Friday. 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com.